Welcome to Light Treason News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I am joined today, what a treat, by Meredith Clark. Hello. Hello. Dressed for the summer. Oh, yeah. And that was perhaps a mistake. A huge, a huge mistake. Yeah. There is a really surprisingly thick layer of gray, unpleasant, smart weather clouds outside that will make it cold as soon as they block out the sun. (laughs) I got a text from Meredith that was like, I've made a mistake. I should have worn a jacket. (laughs) I know. I should just know better than to ever leave the house without a jacket now since we live in some, I don't know. Terrible vortex. Yeah. (laughs) Everything's just bad, including the weather. Pretty uh, much, yeah. <laughs> uh, how are things other than not dressing appropriately for the weather? Uh, things are good. Working on a few stories. I'm going on. I feel like a- you and I are just in full blown hustle mode right now. Oh yeah, it is hustle time. You add the yeah, it is stressful as hell to yeah. have to find all of the stories to write and make sure you have enough money to pay your rent and oh yeah yeah i I don't like to stress people out with money talk because i know hey we all have money issues right i'll just say um you girls in the middle of a big life transition moment um i'm moving which is exciting very exciting terrifying and uh moving in new york city is exponentially worse than moving in pretty (laughs) much any other place yeah for sure um so if you're not already a supporter of light treason news and you've been enjoying the show go over to lighttreason.news for as little as five dollars a month or a one-time donation you can sign up to support the show and uh it's a good idea guys (laughs) you get lots of extra good stuff from it yeah i am currently in uh, if you heard the episode where i um read from baby allison's mystery novel that i wrote um eric suggested that i turn it into a screenplay and we're going to do a bonus episode where we act out my play, my masterpiece, really. I'm really excited for this. <laughs> I, you know, I was saying before we started, there's nothing purer on earth than coming across writing that you did as a child. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I, well, I yeah. enjoy how it's 50% just shameless plagiarism and then 50% an insane, bizarre, completely illogical story that makes no sense that I superimposed over Clue. It's oh, yeah. Great. Which is, I mean, honestly kind of what my dreams are like most of the time <laughs> right right there's just a yeah there's a bunch of blatant plagiarism of some pop culture that i've been consuming recently and then adding in some really weird like anxiety sure oh oh yeah constant stress dreams also constant stress fantasies like when i'm on the subway and i'm already stressed i start to catch myself thinking about um spiraling mm-hmm. catastrophizing everything uh just fantasizing about people being mad at me me confronting people over stuff that has not happened but like i've perceived that maybe it might and just like i've noticed i i've been catching myself when i do stuff like that where i'm like what am i doing i have so many legit things to be stressed over like why am i fantasizing about stressful things too yeah and that is something that i often find where i'm in the shower and then suddenly i'm like telling someone to go fuck themselves and it's not even it's like that's the thing that pops in and i'm suddenly having an argument or telling someone off but i'm not actually telling a person off it's just saying it out into the world and then i have to kind of like reverse engineer what i'm yeah it's uh it's a fun time having a brain yeah right (laughs) can't control your thoughts it's good time Guys, we have so much to talk about today. Um, I have, it is a Wednesday episode, so that means something very strange happened in my apartment again. Um, this time I was visited by an old friend that I, who I hadn't seen in, in many years, and that was very cool. So we'll get to that in a second. But before we get to newsy stuff, since we're in the pop culture section, Meredith, we got to talk about the Americans. Oh my God. Ooh, and like, listen... I realize, especially for the Americans, um, some people are arriving to it late, which is great. So I don't want to talk about specific spoilers or anything Mm. like that. I'll just say that series finale was one of the best things I've ever seen. Absolutely. Completely agree. (laughs) So So gut-wrenching. Yeah. So gut-wrenching. I feel like every moment was earned. Um, I really 
feel like the writers didn't let anybody off the hook, but they did it in a, like a very unconventional way. Mm-hmm. Cause I think if you heard spy thriller, you would imagine a series finale would end in a certain way. Yeah. That there's a certain explosiveness to it. It yes. feels like it, you, you end it like you end in a season of alias. Right. Right. Exactly. And like, without giving anything away, I feel like they really sidestepped a lot of those tropes, but in a very, even though it was unsatisfying in a lot of ways, because we didn't see certain things happen, I found it to be very satisfying. Yeah, It was the, it was unsatisfying if you are the kind of person that wants like big explosions. uh, Yeah. Or (laughs) like something, you know, a big dramatic moment and, you know, an absolute sort of clean bow tie ending. Right. Um, This one felt much more true to, to like, life and much more true to the characters and also we can without spoilers Mm -hmm. talk about how amazing carrie russell is because wow she is the best i never saw felicity so i was not on the carrie russell train already then i started watching the americans and i was like "Ooh, she's real good she's so talented i was talking about this with someone who i do improv with she in every scene is doing like three layers of acting yeah which is and this is not a spoiler this is the entire plot of the show she and her husband matthew reese are russians pretending to be a normal american couple like living in the suburbs yeah they have two kids like cookie cutter family total 80s american dream yes and so in like and i guess matthew reese is doing this as well but i i feel like carrie russell is just well she has the harder part because she has to be the true believer of the pair and the one who ends up having like running out like she has to kind of be the bad guy in a lot of these arguments that they have and i think that that makes her more complicated it's harder she gives you less to sympathize with and that she does she's a very like her personality she's a very severe woman and she is very duty bound and she hates american culture just so much so like when she sees her kids and her husband sort of like buying into it it just drives her insane (laughs) just so much but in some scenes she's actually like a pretending to be an american and then there's the layer of like the Russian spy, but then there's also the duality of the Russian spy, like what she actually believes and how she talks to like her husband. <laughs> well, and, and also knowing that there is, by becoming this kind of spy, she has abandoned this life that she yeah. might have known otherwise. And so you have this sense of like, you, you want to think you know her, but there's always this question of like how deep the layers go. And I think that's really hard to play. She also, like, her wig game is also amazing. The wigs, you should, guys, you should watch it just for the wigs, honestly. Um, But even the moments where like, I I really like Elizabeth as a character. I think she's really interesting, even though she's like, you know, she does a lot of bad things and she's a very harsh woman, but I respect her. Um, the scenes where she is just blatantly lying to her children and doing a very compelling job of it. It's just, it's so disturbing. Yeah. Uh, cause she's such a good liar, but guys do watch it. Also oh, Stan. How fucking good. So that scene good. In the garage. That's one of the best things I've ever seen. I know. I, we also talked about this a little bit. I feel like the, you know, Stan is the FBI agent who moves in next door to Philip, the, the main odds? characters. Uh, and so suddenly <laughs> you have a friendship blooming between these two families and between these two fathers. Yes. And they're bros. Yeah. And as you go through the series, you really do like watch them grow as men mm-hmm. and get the sense of how ideology plus patriarchy creates like so much conflict for these people and it's so moving to watch them navigate that stuff because you just don't Mm -hmm. get to see dudes have self-doubt in this way and how powerful embarrassment is Mm -hmm. for a man yeah like stan you know yeah um someone who is not just like a man living in a patriarchy but also is an fbi agent who's supposed to have total command over information and understanding what's going on at all times and obviously he does not yeah um the last, and again, I don't think this is a spoiler, but the last 10 minutes of the series finale are silent. Yeah. Pretty much entirely. Which is also a ballsy move. Oh, yeah. Because considering, that was another thing the Americans always did really well, using silence. Mm-hmm. Considering 
how complicated the plot was, they always just delivered information in the most efficient way possible so that you could have these beautiful moments of silence and it wasn't too talky ever. It, the Americans is one of those shows that when you watch, you feel smart. Yes, I think that's true. Yeah. <laughs> but then I realized it's just really good writing. <laughs> but it's it's a pretty complicated plot. But the way they deliver the information, it's so clear. It's so engaging that you are consuming a lot of information, but it never feels like that. Um, and I will say this is just related to the, the staffing of it. I know I read a piece about... Um, one of the big episodes of the last season is written, the writing credit goes to a, a, a woman, a young woman, who apparently was hired as an assistant to one of the showrunners the, this season, the past season, the fifth season. And this is the first script that she ever wrote. Whoa. That she had like just gotten in there and he encouraged her to like be oh, in the wow. writer's room and pay attention to how they were breaking stories and mm. get to learn. And so, That's so they cool. promoted her to being a writer this season. And then he like came to her and said like, this is the one you're going to do. And wow. it's like a truly crucial episode. And I think like that is just a great story mm. as far as like behind the scenes, especially at a time when there are are all these conversations about how you have diversity in the writer's yes. room and how you tell stories and what difference that can make. And I think like, it's just nice to see that there was a proactive mm. movement to say, like identify talent and then elevate it that's at a time that's really, really clutch. That's nice. I remember a while ago, a writer told me like, it's not a zero sum game. Like we can help each other. Mm -hmm. uh, but it, you'd be surprised how many people still like fiercely guard Oh yeah, the writers' room. So just the fact that that's really nice to hear that she was encouraged and invited into the room, and then actually given an episode. I, remember, I think Breaking Bad was like that too. Yeah, <laughs> they were very like nurturing of of writers coming in. You know which one? You know which writers' room was not like that? Uh, which one? It's a certain uh, Don Draper focused AMC prestige <laughs> drama. Shocking. <laughs> yeah the uh, the woman who wrote the suitcase, which was an Emmy winning episode from I think the second season. Um, I think she quit writing because she was so like beaten down yeah. by Matthew Weiner. I've and I think like heard nothing but bad things about him. <laughs> uh, so I will say. You can make a show that is full of anti-heroes, that is not all about uplifting, disgusting male behavior, mm -hmm. like how you got into some of Mad Men and some of Breaking Bad, mm -hmm. and you can uh, manage to run a writer's room and a set that is not full of uh, toxicity. Yeah. In fact, that should be our goal. Mm. Also, while we're still in the pop culture section, if, did you have anything else about the Americans? No, that's okay. not for me. Carrie Russell, oh, just so great. They better sweep the Emmys because that's going to be ridiculous if so, they don't. Um, yeah. Well, I do. Yes. I've, I watched Felicity from the very first episode and was basically primed to ball my eyes out from the minute they started previewing it during Dawson's Creek. And the soundtrack <laughs> to the commercial was uh, Madonna's Power of Goodbyes oh, from wow. Ray of Light. Um, yeah, that's how strongly it imprinted on me that this was a show that was for me at 16 <laughs> years old. And oh, wow. Yeah, that was, I really felt that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and Alias is literally J.J. Uh, Abrams saying, what if Felicity was actually a spy? It was oh. like, that was how he decided to make Alias. Another one I never saw. It's really okay. It, it went off the rails fast. Yeah, that's but, what I heard. Uh, but it's nice to see Carrie Russell playing a spy since that's like, Hell a yeah. thing that we Man, I really... Uh, they should just leave it because it's a perfect show. But I'm like, can we can we have like Philip and Elizabeth in the future? Maybe <laughs> just like a little like a mini series. Don't listen to me. Don't no. do that. Uh, so the other thing I saw recently, I finally saw a Quiet Place. I did it, everybody. That is such a scary movie. Oh my god! <laughs> like I was braced because I had heard from people that it was very scary, but I don't. I have kind of a high threshold for that, and I was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, holy shit. It's so scary. <laughs> and listen, some of them are jump scares. Some of them. But then there's just this horrible looming dread. The entire film is well. It's really well done. Yeah. The the tension that they build through the silence and then the sound design that goes along with that is something I've never seen before Bananas. in a movie. And it works so well. Like the jump scares are earned because you spend the whole movie like yeah. it's not like a regular horror movie jump scare where you like oh they're walking somewhere and like there's going to be a thing right. behind them but then it's going to be gone and then it'll be there again it's 
you never get the chance to relax. And so every time something scary happens, you still have to go, you're still stuck in that Has spot. it been out long enough where I can talk about plot, do you think? I think so. Hasn't it been out for like two months? I never know what the cutoff is. But anyway, I think by now you've probably, if you haven't seen the movie, movie you've seen it parodied in like a million different places. But there are these monsters who can hear noises, but they're blind. And that's like their only super sense is yeah. that they can hear things. And they um, have killed most of the world's population. <laughs> so uh, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt and their family are survivors. So they have to be very quiet the whole time. But there's this plot point that's just sort of like hanging over their heads which is emily blunt's pregnant and like i was so scared the whole time because i'm like that baby's gonna fucking cry that baby's gonna cry as soon as it comes out <laughs> i her, know what are they gonna do, do? <laughs> and i was like man you really like you couldn't even just like pull out i know i was like, like why are you still having kids john krasinski I don't know. I mean, and Emily Blunt, I guess, but I don't know. I think they were probably like, well, we got to like repopulate. Yeah. Because they did have like their whole bunker thing. It looked like they were trying to set up civilization. They definitely had a plan. Yes. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, yeah, you know, let's not, let's not shame even fictional characters for their reproductive choices. (laughs) Sure, sure, sure. Uh, But yes, I had that. And then just knowing that that's coming and then those bits and pieces of, okay, this is going to come back later. And then seeing the way it does is just so... And she's fucking alone when she goes into labor. It's so scary. Uh, Yeah, it's great, guys. Also, they just made big choices like they killed main characters oh yeah uh pretty quickly (laughs) it was impressive i thought it was very good i i will say since you you see it in the trailer Mm -hmm. if you've watched it um like i'm always here for a movie where they kill a child like right away i know you know, it's like too. that just makes me if you do it in the right way it really feels like you've it's done immediate stakes yeah it's like oh the, they're not playing if it you kill a kid yeah. yeah yeah it didn't feel cheap though it wasn't like when i watched pet cemetery and i was like oh right the little baby's gonna get hit by a truck like okay <laughs> <laughs> rolling our eyes yeah uh it's great i don't think we ruined it too much if you haven't seen it you should watch it guys but uh we're gonna go to the interview i did with an unexpected guest so here it is and enjoy Guys, this is a little weird. Um, I'm sorry to interrupt the episode, but I'm pretty excited. Someone who I used to be friends with years and years and years ago just showed up at my apartment and I was like, hey, why don't we get you on the microphone? Because this is really cool. But uh, here's my friend Reginald. Oh, hey, Allison. How are you? Long time no see. I know. Um, A lot of people probably don't know this about me, um, but I lived briefly in the South. Yeah. And you and I were friends. We were best friends. We were best friends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How are you? I'm good. I'm goth now. I can see that. I mean, you were literally head to toe dressed in black. You've got very elaborate makeup on. Oh, this? Yes. This is my corpse paint. I Yeah. I You know, you say it's a corpse paint and I was going to call it corpse paint because it's so clearly um, that you have dressed yourself up as though you're trying to look like a corpse it's a lot it's like a look you know well you know i just i want people to know that i am one with our dark lord satan see that that sounds very scary but it's hard to i mean no offense i don't want to be disrespectful it's it's hard to take you seriously as a goth because you have this like lovely southern lilt to your voice I'm look, Allison. I'm the same person you knew back in Alabama. Right. I'm the same. I'm the same person. I'm just God now. Okay. I just have come to understand that life is, you know, a never-ending, uh, meaningless pit of despair. Oh wow, that's heavy. I mean, like, I don't know. You and I used to just like chill and like sit on our front porch. Oh my God, can you remember, remember our, our porch? Oh my God, my, my favorite thing to do is just to wake up early in the morning yeah. and like make a fresh pot of coffee and just yes. go sit out on the front porch and just chat, same. just talk. Same, yeah. I'm the, I'm the same person, Allison. I, you know, I still love all the same things. I love to watch football. Great. I love to go fishing mm-hmm. and I love to sacrifice goats in the light of the full moon. Sorry? What was the, the last one? I like to sacrifice goats in the moonlight. What? 
that doesn't sound like you. I don't remember you killing a single goat when you and I hung out. The football, yes, football, uh, football taken very seriously in the South. Of course. Um, you know have what a I cup of coffee in the morning. You know what Lovely. I always say? Roll Todd, hail Satan. That's what it, you well, know. The first part, yes. Mm-hmm. I don't ever remember you saying hail Satan. I, all I'm saying is, Allison, you haven't lived until you felt a goat trembling in your hands as you slit its throat and drink its blood straight out of its neck. That is horrible, Reginald. That's horrible. All right. You know what? I respect your lifestyle choices. Okay. But maybe let's just set that aside for now, all right? Okay. Uh, you okay. know what, Allison? Allison, I brought you a gift. Oh, that's nice you of gift. you. I brought you a mason jar filled with my mama's famous <gasps> sweet tea. Oh, my God. I love your mama's sweet tea. It's her Thank old recipe. So it's got four cups of sugar. Oh, you got to have a ton of sugar of in it. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's really thoughtful. Absolutely. It's my favorite. I'm going to drink the shit out of this. You should, because you know what? We're all going to die. So you might, you know, it's, you're just going to have to enjoy it while it's here. Hey man, what's going on? Like, did something happen? Was I, you were a completely quote unquote normal Southern gentleman when I left. Mm -hmm. Did Mm -hmm. something happen? Did you suffer a loss? Well, you know what happened is I, you know, I was, I was driving to work. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to my, I was listening to my radio. Okay. And, uh, that sounds like you. Uh-huh. And I heard this song, uh, by this band, Nine Inch Nails, and it made a lot of sense. And I mean, I liked Nine Inch Nails in high school, but it didn't turn me into a Satan worshiping. It just, you know, I heard it and it was so fun to listen to and it just made a lot of sense. And it made me realize that, you know, uh, life is totally meaningless and, uh, just filled with pain forever. Wow, that is, that's a lot. But you know what? As long as you're happy and you're not hurting anyone. I mean, I'm not crazy about the idea of you killing goats. I wish you would stop that. I'd like to go on record on the show as saying I don't think you should kill goats. That's just part of my religion now. All right. Well, I want to be very tolerant about your religion. So thank you. I'll sidestep that for the time being. I'm going to put this mason jar of your mama's sweet tea in the fridge for now. Okay, okay. Allison, how are you? I haven't seen I'm you great. in so long. Thank how you are you so doing? Much. I'm good. I, you know, everything is going good in the city. Uh, the show's going well. Uh, I've adjusted to life in in New York City. It's it's good, man. I think you'll like it here. That's great. I mean, it's you know, it's a it's it's a hellhole. Oh sure, it's full for of sure. it's yeah. full of pain and despair. Which I mean, is, yes, I mean you know, yes, we, I like it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I golf? Am I also goth? Because I, I agree that the city is full of pain and despair. Mm-hmm. And that life is just one long path of misery. I think I'm goth. Is that goth? Am I goth? It sounds like it, Allison. God damn it. Do I, do I have to wear the all the black and the, the face paint? I mean, honestly, it makes things easier just to let, you know, because I get a lot of people stopping me on the street. They're like, hey, man, what's going on? And I'm just like, let me tell you about why life is bad you just tell strangers why life is bad. oh yeah sometimes i just don't i don't even wait for them to ask i just they make eye contact and i can see that they need to know do they need to know that is that just you projecting on total strangers sometimes i like to walk up to people on the street and i'm just like because you know like down in the south we talk to everybody everybody's so so friendly so you can just walk up and just start talking to people on the sidewalk so sometimes i'll talk up you know i'll see like i'll see darlene on the street i'll be like hey darlene and she'll be like hey hey reginald and i'll be like hey uh are you happy and she'll be like i don't know and i'll be like sounds like not maybe uh maybe you ought to think about killing yourself whoa i don't go around telling people to kill themselves it's one thing to wear like i'm saying you should think about it (sighs) oh man well, now Darlene and I are best friends. Right. I No, I remember Darlene. She loves you. Uh, wow. Well, a lot to think about. I mean, do, do I have to throw out all of my colorful clothes? Everything? I, you know, I, I would not recommend throwing them out. What I did was uh, I burned them in a ritual sacrifice uh, on the equinox to Satan. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. See, so yeah. what you do is you build a big bonfire, right? Sure. You know, we love bonfires we in the South. the South. Yes. Yeah, yeah. See, it's the same. It's exactly the same, except this one is filled with all of your old clothes and worldly possessions. Okay. Okay. Everything. Everything you've ever well, owned. I'm going to write th- this down. You got to throw it in the bonfire. Burn all worldly 
possessions okay Mm -hmm. and then over the fire you have a big spit roast just has like you know general uh crosses um Mm -hmm. any sort of uh you know religious figures you can find Mm -hmm. priests ministers things like that Mm -hmm. okay fine number two find priest okay yep and just you just roast them over that bonfire okay hold on three roast priest and that's it yeah, you just, you just, you know, when the equinox happens and you got that moonlight going, you got a nice, you know, one of those nice Alabama uh, August nights. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, you just. Perfect temperature. Like oh, maybe so, you can wear a light jacket, but you don't have no, to. No, you don't have to. And it's just so nice and clear outside. And yeah, you're just, you're beautiful. Just outside. See all the stars. Mm. And you know what? There's not a lot of light pollution. So you get all that moonlight yeah. and the starlight. And so you don't even need lights outside, right? It's just like that moonlight will illuminate everything. And you can just, you can see everything clearly, even though it's night. It's beautiful. And you just get that bonfire going. You hang the priest up by a cross sure. over a big spit roast over the, you know, over the over the bonfire, mm-hmm. and you just you just get him going. Sure, rotate, you just get him going. Rotate him slowly. Yeah. Okay, and you just you just let him go for a while. You just let him go for a while. He's screaming. He's screaming. But then sure. you just let him go until he's dead, and then um, you know, then you let the bonfire go out, and then you go home for the night. Okay, I got it. I think um, I, I should mention to the audience too. This entire time, Penny has been perched staring at reginald in eerie silence i have that effect on animals have you two silently communed since you've been here uh see the thing is once you have turned over your life to the dark lord satan uh you become one with all the animals is penny one with satan yes i i am one with nature now so 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 we have a bond Okay, I see. I see. And you're, so you're communicating when, on a different level. Yes. Okay. So I have a bond with all the animals because the the animals are removed from the you know the human civilization that we've built and it has destroyed the earth. All right. Interesting. Okay. Well, wow. I've learned a lot. A lot. It's great to see you. What are you going to be doing while you're here in the city? Oh, you know, scoping out buildings for potential suicide. Sure. Um, uh, finding churches to burn down. Wow, you're um, busy. You know, it's just, I'm just trying to, you know, Make just trying sure to live my life and do what, you know, I just want to enjoy the city while I'm here. While you're here, also check out the M&M store at Times Square. Oh, I've heard it's lovely. Yeah. It's, I've heard it's delightful. You got to check that out. I love M&M's. Maybe go see a show on Broadway. You get Ooh, sign up I for the lottery. I could do that. If you're you, not you have too one busy. you recommend? Oh boy. Um, I hear Mean Girls is great. It's hard to get Ooh. tickets, but Mean Girls, SpongeBob. Apparently he's very oh, good. I love SpongeBob. Mm-hmm. You remember we used to watch SpongeBob? Oh yeah, we did. That was our show. <laughs> I love SpongeBob. Yep. Is the Book of Mormon still playing? I think so. Hmm. You're gonna burn down the Book of Mormon? I think I have to. Yeah, I, I got that in the tone of your voice. Mm-hmm. Well, that's my bad, everybody. I hope nobody wanted to see the Book of Mormon. Um, Reginald, so great seeing you. Bless oh, your Allison, heart. It was so good to see you. Yeah. All right, buddy. We'll take it easy. And uh, Hail Satan. And Hail Satan. Thanks again to my dear, dear friend, Reginald. You really know some weird people. I I really do. I've lived a rich, storied life. I'm very blessed. Uh, Guys, it's that time of the episode. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here is your bad news. And it's a bad one. (laughs) It's real bad. So the first bad news item I wanted to talk about um, was Bill Clinton. This fucking guy. <laughs> weighing in on the Me Too movement, which I know we were all just waiting with bated breath. What does Bill Clinton think about all of this? Um, so, But he, here he is granted a moment where he possibly could have had some self-reflection. Oh, yeah. Or not done this which was um saying quote i did the right thing (laughs) and just like i mean not even doubling down at this point quadrupling down yeah i mean also in a week when woody allen said that he should be the poster boy for the me too movement but not not in in the way way that that you think he should uh he was basically like I was only accused of one thing and uh to lump me in with all of those other men is blah 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 uh, yeah. um, and so, of course, to see that happening at the same time as Bill Clinton responds in like 
truly sociopathic fashion. There's video because it was an interview with Craig Melvin. Mm -hmm. And when Melvin asks him and starts pressing him on this, you know, on the, his affair and on the way that he treated Monica and how, whether asking him whether he'd apologized and not letting him off the hook when he tried to obfuscate by saying, oh, well, I had all of these women working for me and I right. had all of these sexual harassment policies in my office as a governor. And he says, you know, I apologize to the American people. And then Melvin says, but did you apologize to her? Yeah. And he just has this look on his face like, I wish I could fucking kill you. Yeah. He, he said, I have not talked to her. Uh, and then Melvin said, do you feel that you owe her an apology? And he said, no, I've uh, never talked to her, but I did say publicly on more than one occasion that I was sorry. So do you think she's owed an apology? No, but I've apologized, which is a very Clinton thing to say. It's extremely Clinton-esque. Uh, yeah, just disgusting. and and But also such a clear indication of how far we've come since the bill clinton monica Lewinsky thing mm -hmm. um i just don't think it would have gone down the same way if it had happened in 2018 oh. no i mean it would have it would have been a deservedly the the scandal itself probably would have ended up being a deservedly career ending scandal yeah. i think and i you know, I don't say that lightly because I think that he was impeached on bullshit reasons and all of that was like seriously problematic. And he didn't like he should not have had to deal with that set of problems, but right. he did not face meaningful consequences mm -hmm. for for that. And honestly, if you've never read Katie Baker's BuzzFeed piece about Juanita Broderick, mm. uh, the other yes. woman who was accused uh, or uh, the woman who has accused him of rape rape yeah uh it's fascinating and really heartbreaking about how for how many decades this particular powerful man has been using his charisma to just steamroll over women yeah and that gets in a really tricky territory because i i hate when women are sort of held um sort of uh convicted in like a public trial of crimes their husbands committed but there is like a very disturbing possibility that hillary clinton did know what was happening and was sort of managing and keeping the whole thing quiet and then in fact thanked one of the women at a public event for everything she had done for them whatever the fuck that means yeah probably meaning not going to the press um which is really really fucked up yeah and i think that we are in a moment when we should be seriously reevaluating everything i mean clinton's legacy is bad mm -hmm. like he passed a lot of bad yeah. bad legislation and he supported a, a mm -hmm. politics that's absolutely decimated yeah. the lives of millions of people um mm -hmm. despite all of his popularity with with uh baby boomers our but, first you know. black president meredith oh <laughs> um <laughs> that was a but thing I, oh. but i i do think like it's always worth especially since he can't stop putting his foot in his mouth when it comes to responding to questions about Monica Lewinsky that she has turned out to be like, should like, she should be in the history books as someone yes. who is an example of like how you deal with trauma and emerge as a really great leader yeah. because her, I think she will yeah. ultimately, I, I feel yeah. like that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just so impressed every time she says something, you know, speaks publicly every time she writes a piece for vanity fair it's just so clear that she's done an enormous amount of reflection mm -hmm. on what her role in that moment in time was. And then also how she can take, you know, take meaning from that and try and help others. And that's honestly a hell of a lot more than the Clinton foundation is doing in any yep. of the places they're helping, you know, supposedly helping people. Yeah. So the other bad news item that I wanted to get to is the Supreme Court siding with the baker who refused to make a gay couple's wedding cake. Um, the U.S. Supreme Court on Monday handed the narrow victory to the Christian baker from Colorado who refused for religious reasons to make the wedding cake. So there was some confusion over what um, a narrow victory means. Mm -hmm. 
because it, uh, it was narrowly drawn, right? Narrow. About- so the decision was seven to two. So like a lot of people, including myself, were like, but that's not narrow. Seven to two. That's a pretty overwhelming decision. And also it's very upsetting that seven justices ruled that way. But what a narrow victory means is this isn't going to be used as like a federal precedent. Right. For if businesses can refuse um, the business of clients based on their sexuality, it was like basically the Supreme Court saying in this very specific case, we feel like this baker didn't get the hearing that right. they should have gotten. Now, their their reasoning behind that was pretty problematic yes. since it was basically some conservative justices saying that because the commission that was responsible for deciding whether there was discrimination pointed out correctly that the man was a bigot, right. that that showed a dismissive attitude on the, you know, and it wasn't fair. That that meant that they were not being objective right. in this case, which... I'm sorry. Objectivity. <laughs> yeah. You can objectively be a bigot. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, <laughs> I think the definition of being a bigot is saying, I'm going to refuse uh, your business based on your sexuality. Yep. I think that's you being a bigot. So, um, and also I don't believe when they say a narrow victory, I, the law is a very tricky thing and I don't believe that this couldn't be used as a precedent. Yeah down the road for for future cases like this so i fully understand why the lgbt community even though it was a quote-unquote narrow victory were horrified you well know? And, and and the thing is is that just like decisions about abortion that were very specific or a very small yes. like on in a specific instance have led legislatures to pass bills and laws that have allowed anti-abortion groups to tailor cases to force an issue to go to the Supreme Court and then potentially open the door wider for mm-hmm. overturning, you know, for, for more uh, more restrictions. You know, the the Baker, this is, they're following the exact same template that the anti-abortion, right. anti-choice people have been following for 45 years. And that's really scary because that has worked. The death mm-hmm. by a thousand cuts yeah. has worked and there are states trying to pass uh, laws that will make it easier for people to discriminate right. uh, or to, you know, disregard legal marriages. And I, you know, so I think, yeah, they're right to be afraid. Yeah. And the, the far right is smart in that sense because they know overturning Roe v. Wade, like going for stuff that big probably won't happen just because of the optics of it. So this is a deliberate strategy. Those quote unquote narrow victories that's a deliberate strategy, as you said. It's like they try to find these small cases where they're like, listen, we're not talking about turning over federal law. Mm-hmm. We're just talking about this little town in Colorado. And it's like, if you do that a thousand times, it sort of becomes the default federal law. Right. And all you need is one ju- is, you know, one court at one level to expand slightly on what they mean, you know, when they say, oh, well, in this case, actually, there it's not just that this place wasn't right. a fair hearing. This is, you know, this law that is an anti-discrimination law is tailored in such a way that now we decide this time it's no good. And then right. that can be the precedent. I mean, right. there's, um, there's a lot of room. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, and the Supreme Court also uh, decided that they erased the precedent with the teenager, the teenage immigrant who got an abortion. Yes. So that was another fucked thing they did. And that yeah. was messed up because now there's no way for people to challenge it because right. that was, you know, they said, oh, that precedent doesn't count. So they had a busy day, guys. Yeah. They were real. They were real busy, busy bees. little bees. Yeah. Uh, so I also, while we are still in the bad news section, wanted to talk about Senator Jeff Merkley who recently went on a trip to the border. Uh, this is, the this is border. a good person trying to do a good thing <laughs> yeah. and encountering the t- most terrifying fuckery. Yeah, this is scary because this is a senator. Um, like, it happening at all would be terrifying, but the fact that it happened to a senator is extra terrifying. So Merkley traveled to Texas to view a detention center that is housing children who have been separated from their families after crossing the border. And is run uh, by a private prison company. Yeah. Uh, his request to see the facility on Sunday evening was denied and the private firm running it called the cops to get him to leave. And it was in a building. It was a, it's a, it was a decommissioned Walmart where they've blacked out all of the windows. Yes. Yeah. Just, just useful information as to the context of him trying to come and see this. It's not like he's walking into a facility that has ever had oversight in this particular context. 
Right. So then the White House released a statement about all of this. Senator Merkley is irresponsibly spreading blatant lies about routine immigration enforcement while smearing hardworking, dedicated law enforcement officials at ICE and CBP. No one is taking a public safety lecture from Senator Merkley, whose own policies endanger children, empower human smugglers and drug cartels, and allow violent criminal aliens to flood into American communities. Wow, he's doing all of that? Jesus Christ. Uh, Worth noting, he's a senator from Oregon, also, just so... (laughs) (laughs) But you know that uh, Oregon border is really just ripe with crime. Oh, yeah. Um, So following the statement... That statement was a section identified as being on background, quote unquote, meaning that it was not intended to be attributed to the White House. Despite that, it was included in a story by CNS News. In that addendum, the White House tied Merkley to two violent crimes committed by immigrants. Of course. That doesn't seem like a panic move, right? No, that's not. The fact that he just showed up to examine a facility and they're suddenly like, you're helping drug smugglers and also I think you're a criminal. Well, also Merkley followed up by saying that these are, the children are being housed in cages inside a blacked out Walmart. Mm -hmm. I mean, literal cages. Yes. So he's on to something here and, you know, this is... It's a little bit of a rhetorical leap, but you know what I think of when I when uh, law enforcement and people with guns are coming after you when you're trying to get to the truth of something. I think about the dude that got murdered in Jonestown. Yeah, like yeah, you know, fascism and cults cer- like certainly have a yep. nice little connection there. But yes, it's terrifying that these they're fucking children being held against oh, their will. And every senator should be doing what Merk- oh, Merkley's yeah. doing, I which think is like, every, what the hell is this? Every single, certainly Democratic senator, should be having their travel staff booking them a trip to a private detention center yeah. for children, and they should be standing out there demanding. They should, you know, they need to be getting arrested, like, yeah. for whatever supposed trespassing they're doing on, you know, on the, at these facilities also a senator showing up in this way gets way more press coverage way more attention so it was a very noble attempt on mm-hmm. Merkley's yes part. i i hope that he continues to do it because obviously this is a very important issue and it's great that he decided to take that initiative but i hope mm-hmm. he doesn't let the pressure drop Yes, exactly. Um, and I, to go along with what you're saying, I hope other people join him. Maybe uh, call your senator and ask if they're going to do it. Yeah. Ooh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Maybe do that. I think it's a good idea. Uh, guys, before I send you off to the rest of your day, let's end things on a positive note, shall we? Here is your good news. <laughs> Oh, boy, this was surprising on Twitter the other day. I mean, not surprising because it's Paul Manafort and he's a shady dude. But just seeing the news of it, I was like, wow. Uh, So Robert Mueller says that uh, former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort attempted to tamper with potential potential (laughs) witnesses, plural, and has asked the court to rescind or revise Manafort's pretrial release. Send that mofo to jail. Uh. (laughs) Uh, In a court filing on Monday, Mueller said there was probable cause to believe Manafort tried to reach witnesses using an encrypted messaging program in an effort to uh, uh, suburn perjury while he was awaiting trial, one of the witnesses told federal investigators. I mean, totally something Paul Manafort would do. And still, I was like shocked. Yeah. I mean, this guy is, I like, don't even know what else I can say about him anymore because he's just so bad at even yeah. the most baseline um, criminal behavior. Crime. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This man cannot do crimes to save his life. Yeah. That's what's so funny about this because it's like he was already fucked, right? But then to hear that he was 
tampering with witnesses it's like dude you're already fucked like they can't stop digging the hole well and it's not just like tampering with a witness in a stupid way where you're like oh i didn't realize i was supposed to talk to them it's like genuinely threatening people (laughs) in ways that are like easy to discover like Uh, i don't mean to laugh because like he's such a piece (laughs) of shit and it's not cool to threaten and intimidate people i just can't get over how fucking corrupt this administration is every time i think it's gotten as bad as it can get then i see paul manafort is fucking threatening witnesses <laughs> you like, can't what? believe it it's so so i've said this so before bad. but like if you submitted these characters as part of a screenplay you would get notes that they were too cartoonish oh absolutely be like you have to tone this down no one is as cartoonishly corrupt as paul manafort oh no i mean but you've seen those suits and the guy he, he <laughs> looks if he was he looks like he's a a real life version of one of the businessman villains on Captain Planet. Yes. Like, oh my God. He's yes. wearing like that three piece suit with like the two buttons and the and power he's just, shoulders. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you just know, yeah, he's like, yeah, but he's the henchman to one of those terrible people. Yeah. I'm sure that if I went back to do some research, I'd discover that Donald Trump was actually like one of the villains. Templates oh, yeah. On absolutely. Captain Planet. But anyway, that's just a fun image for everyone who's thinking about it and like don't get me wrong i'm still not being optimistic about will anybody actually go to jail will there be any like meaningful consequences to any of this but although this i don't know paul manafort like has to do like something oh he's gonna like he and michael cohen will do time yeah like, they for have sure. to at this point like a sp- encrypted messaging program oh my god yeah but like in terms of it reaching trump or anything like that i'm still not very optimistic about that but man man paul manafort what the fuck is gonna happen to roger stone guys wow these questions wow 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 wow. uh also i wanted to talk about we briefly touched on this the other day um when eric and chloe were hosting the show but um hundreds of sex workers recently rallied for international uh for an international horrors day a global celebration of sex workers rights um it's a very long-standing annual event but this year there was um renewed intensity thanks to fosta which is, of course, the anti, quote unquote, <laughs> anti-trafficking law that we talked about a bunch on the show that ultimately just hurts sex workers and, and doesn't help them, which is, you know, always the, the sign of good legislation when it hurts the people that you're claiming to help. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was a really big turnout. Um, 300 sex workers and allies gathered Saturday in downtown Oakland. Uh, in one of the larger gatherings. Um, But there were also meetings in Chicago, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, New York, Washington, D.C. And the attendees were read and called for the decriminalization of sex work. Um, So this is from Jezebel. But at least in Oakland, where several marchers wore glittery red triangles of fabric over their noses and mouths to conceal their identities, given the risks to sex workers who publicly out themselves, anti-FOSTA sentiments took center stage. Um, so, yeah, I like it was great to see the turnout. It was great to see people uh, speaking out against FOSTA, which is known as the Allow States and Victims to Fight Online Sex Trafficking Act, that very long name, and sometimes referred to SESTA or FOSTA-SESTA, if you've seen it on Twitter. Um, and we've talked about it before, but this is the thing that broadly holds online platforms responsible for any content deemed to be related to sex trafficking, which is obviously, um, a bad idea because anyone can post on a website, anything at any time. And, uh, they are definitely not interested in, uh, the, the online platforms are not interested in going through and parsing what may or may not count as trafficking. So they have basically said that no one who has any sexually suggestive or potentially explicit content can do this, which makes life much more dangerous for sex workers. Right. And then there's also the fear I have, which is a little more of a, I guess like a conspiracy theory, but I think it it's could totally happen. Someone just doesn't like a, a sex worker website and wants mm. to post some content on there that will get it taken down. They can also do that as well. Oh yeah. It definitely opens the door for a lot of bullying. <laughs> 
But imagine if you had that same set of standards for like, I don't know, Huffington Post. Mm -hmm. If there was a commenter who said something that could be perceived as supporting trafficking or something. Yeah. And you would just take down Huffington Post. Like that, when you phrase it that way, it's it's immediately apparent how absurd it is because it's like, but that was just a random person who. Well, what if you, if you applied this to Nazis, Mm. you know, I mean, if you are saying this is how, you know, I'm going to kill these people. Mm-hmm. And anytime someone made a death threat mm-hmm. online, that suddenly that would be the entire internet would go dark. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, so before we wrap up the episode and we're still in the good news section, I wanted to ask you if there's anything you've seen or listened to or uh, heard, read, eaten lately that's made you happy uh, i will second your recommendation of nico case i know you mentioned it Hell on the, yeah. the the podcast she is my goddess and i love her dearly um and the new record is amazing i also recently rewatched the 1995 indie comedy party girl starring parker posey oh, yeah. uh and I hadn't watched it in years. What I joy had, she is. Oh, God. And I had a friend who'd never seen the movie, never even heard of it, come over and we watched it. And I remember it as like a cult classic. It turns out it's actually delightful, very well done, oh, cool. and provides a surprisingly strong depiction of second versus third wave feminism in early 90s New York. Because Parker Posey's like the, I can go and like, do club promotions and throw rent parties and then also uh like go to grad school to become a librarian and her mom's like oh well if you want to go to parties then like you clearly don't have any common sense and so i don't believe that you're capable of doing this you must be serious and Mm so that was the first time i noticed that but legally blonde just rip off its plot for Marty. <laughs> I mean basically, yeah. They they like they found somebody who was like way less frightening than Parker Posey in the 90s yeah. and then they were like, "Oh yeah, we'll just do it this way." But right. she the, she doesn't go to library school in the movie. She oh, just okay. decides she's going to go. But it is kind of wonderful and they have it's a great cast and some amazing like party members of the party scene from the early 90s that are like the kind of people you'd see in a documentary about like the limelight or mm. uh, you know, like Lady Bunny is in the first you know the famous new york drag queen is in the first scene she's like i lost my earring it's a little baby jesus in a noose (laughs) (laughs) you know um that's but i that it was a it was a wonderful like bit of nostalgia to a time in new york that i have never experienced and also like very sweet and the director is uh now kicking ass doing things like directing episodes of the handmaid's tale and other like high quality prestige feminist television so handmaid's tale that show yeah, Daisy Von Schurlenmeyer is her name. Okay. So, uh, but yes, I think refamiliarizing yourself with that as like a great thing is I highly recommend it. It'll Very make you cool. feel good. Speaking of Parker Posey, mm-hmm. did I ask you this? Have you seen Lost in Space? I have not seen it yet, okay. but I will. I will watch. She it. is in fucking rare form in that. I actually, I was one of my teammates on uh, Lloyd did not like Lost in Space, mm-hmm. but the one thing we agreed on was that Parker Posey is amazing in it. Like I was like, but Parker Posey, and he was like, oh, she's incredible. Like she's the only in his mind he was like she was the only good part mm-hmm. of the show. So even a person who hated it was like yeah. he's amazing in it. I like the show. I think it's great. I also really enjoy. Um, I forget the name of it. It it the title for it first emerged during um, the Martian. Is that the one with Matt Damon? Yeah. Uh, capability porn is that what it's called? Oh, I, something like that. I think I know what you're talking about. I really like capability porn. I know for some people, it's just kind of like snooze. They don't care. But like watching a bunch of very competent people deal with problems. Oh, yeah. That's why Apollo 13 is still such a good movie. Yes. Like you watch them, they're like, oh, fuck, we got to get these guys back from space. It's and then they figure solving. out. It's a yeah. bunch of nerds like putting together a puzzle, basically. <laughs> yeah. But it, in a very entertaining way. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's basically lost in space. Just like terrible things keep happening and they as a family just have to keep coming up with solutions. Mm-hmm. You know, just like put me in mind that like, you know, who probably does get laid a decent amount? NASA engineers. Yeah. Like I have a, like, I'm sure that I, this could be easily disproven, but I just <laughs> have a hard time believing that people who are posting on like incel.reddit.whatever the fuck are not guys who are able to like fix literally 
anything <laughs> right. or have like complexes. Like they probably engineers have pretty cool partners. Engineers are fucking sexy. Yeah. Are you kidding? Carpenters and engineers. It's like oh, you yeah. can make stuff out of nothing. That's so hot. Precisely. So yeah. just thinking about that it was very nice. Yes. Um, so anything else? That you've uh, been? I read this morning a really great piece. So the the website Racked, mm-hmm. um, which is a you know fashion site, but they do amazing features. They just unveiled a massive package around um, the the total scam that is body positivity, mm. size inclusion in fashion, um, advertising. You know the actual marketing of of plus size models. What does it even mean? And it's a huge, huge package. And In the, terms of like uh, these companies just trying to capitalize on the movement and not well, actually being inclusive. It's a whole, yeah. But also just like actually going into some of the nitty gritty of why it's still such bullshit that companies haven't decided to go after this market and like what, right. how discriminating, discriminatory that is, but also how the conversation about acceptance and diversity and inclusivity is a lot bigger than the way that we normally have it. And it shouldn't Mm. be a thing that is as, as simple as, Oh, well you should just love yourself and then it'd be okay. Like, cause that's obviously not, that's nonsense. And so, uh, a woman who I know a little bit and I follow on Twitter, Amanda Mull, uh, wrote a great op-ed that's about body positivity being a crock of horse shit. Mm. That is just selling us this idea that somehow we're still doing it wrong Mm. And we, you know, we'll buy their Dove products or, right. you know, raw, raw empowerment. It was like, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really smart, very well done piece. And I thought it was great to see it tied back into the truly radical roots of, of body positivity and mm. fat acceptance from the 1960s and 70s. And then why we, you know, how frustrating it is that a lot of people will just let it go now as, oh, well, why can't you just love yourself more? It just becomes another way to shame people yeah, who you're don't, just putting whose the bodies onus on are the not. Yeah. Who's already getting shit on like, well, why don't you feel great? And it's yeah. like, well, <laughs> I can list a few reasons. Um, yeah. And then there's yeah. companies like, I remember Dove got in trouble for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. She talks trouble, about the Dove unquote. stuff quite Dove a Dove plays both sides of that in a really aggressive, gross way where they'll have, you know, fat models and they're like, look, body positivity. But then they're also feeding into like the same culture of like, hating yourself if you don't look a certain way. So they're playing both sides yeah. of the spectrum to gain as much mm-hmm. yeah. as much of an audience as possible. Or it's a thing where like the the clothing brand Everlane posts an Instagram photo. This is also mentioned in the article. Instagram photo of a a size 14 model wearing some of their underwear, mm-hmm. but it's underwear that they don't actually make in a size 14. So it's <laughs> unclear like what great, is going great, on there, yeah. but you're like, Oh yeah, you like that? No, you can't buy it. We don't yeah. have a, we don't have plus Sorry, sizes. But look at how great Shane looks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like, don't you feel represented? Um, but I, so I thought that was a really smart piece. I was glad to see it. And it's another example see, like, of um, women commenting on that stuff too. And they have like a size 12 or a size 14 model where they're like, I still don't feel represented because I'm bigger than this model. Yeah. It's like, well, I, I just saw there was some stat that says like 68% of women in America are now a size 14 or above. Yeah. And, you know, I would buy that. So, yeah. yeah, representation is still insufficient even if it is expanding, you know, if we have expanded the narrow window of what's acceptable right. to a slightly bigger. All bodies are good. Everybody looks great. Much I'll just and also if you feel like you don't look great, it's not your responsibility yeah. to cheer yourself up right away. That's you fine. can be, you're allowed to not be totally satisfied all the time because yeah. that's just not how humanity. All works. feelings are valid. If anybody tells you to smile, say shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't feel good, that's okay. Don't feel bad about feeling bad. That would yeah. suck. Oh, that I mean, that is a recipe for a panic attack on the subway. Hell you yeah! Start... And then you start fantasizing about. Like fighting with people and then <laughs> I know. And then the next thing you know, you're uh yeah, you're like yelling at someone who bumps into you and like sometimes that's okay, but generally speaking, you don't want to do it to like a child or like a harried mom. No. Listen, I've lived in the city now thirteen years and I am starting to catch myself sometimes muttering to myself and I'm like, It's <laughs> happening, it's happening, I'm gonna be that woman. In the city, I'm going to be like a thousand years old and like young people are going to see me and be like, wow, look oh, at yeah. what happened. But don't you, I mean, I look forward to embracing my wizened crone phase oh, I'm gonna whenever be it comes. A loon. I'm going to be bad shit. Yeah. But in a fun way. I, I know. Hope. I mean, I feel like I need to learn something about witchcraft just so that I can be extra scary. Like, 
just to be able to sort of make young people think I might be cursing them right, feels right. like a that's a troll that I would definitely play when I'm like 75. The more I learn about like women in my family and how so many of the women in my family stayed single forever. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I think these women were witches. Nice. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, just yeah. find your coven and then live your best life. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's, that is like one of the disaster prep scenarios in my head where I'm like, okay, if there's a pandemic or climate change, what do I do? And I'm always just like, I got it. Coven mm-hmm. in the Midwest. <laughs> like, oh yeah. I, I don't have a plan beyond that. I'm just kind of like, find a group of badass bitches, it's bunker the, down. You, you join the motorcycle grannies of Mad Max Fury Road. Like, there it is. Yes, absolutely. I, I knew I connected to that moment in a really profound way for a reason. I will be the keeper of the seeds. Okay, everybody? <laughs> that will be my job. Everybody tweet me what your job's going to be when the apocalypse happens. Hashtag light trees and pod. Please follow Meredith on Twitter at Meredith L. Clark. Thanks for listening. Go become a member if you can or upgrade your support today. That would also be really great. And thanks, guys. I hope you have a wonderful day. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>